Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, July 27th, and this is Blake Wilson, Lifeline's Vice President of Operations. I'm excited this morning to be able to continue our study in the book of Ezekiel. Um, Today we're actually going to be in chapter 20 and continuing to look at this theme of Israel's rebellion and ultimately the judgment. Um, But one of the things that's a a little different about today's passage that we're going to study is it continues to point back to the mercy of our Father um, in the midst of in the midst of rebellion, you know, I, as I was studying and as I was reading this, I couldn't help but be reminded of the dynamics between myself and my children, um, and and parenting little ones, and and what I would consider consistent rebellion, as any parent likely would. Uh, just that balance of of my love toward my children when I get frustrated, um, and how um, that is in comparison to the love that our father has for us and how often I get so angry and so frustrated with my kids. Um, but that's the case, you know, with, with parenting any children, but yet to look at my heavenly father as I'm, as he gets frustrated with me, but he gives me time and chance after chance um, to come to him. So just the consistent love of a father and really the, the mercy of our heavenly father is evident throughout this passage in Ezekiel chapter 20. So really, this this verse, or I'm sorry, this chapter is really a panoramic view of Israel's history of rebellion. Like this, just a continued cycle of rebellion and self-serving, um, and just walking further and further away from God. Um, but the emphasis here is really looking at his attempt to bring the nation back to himself. So Israel's in this constant state of rebellion, but yet God is attempting over and over again to bring them back, to bring them back. And through that, you can see his mercy is just evident. Um, it's They're in this consistent state of rebellion and disobedience. But God's mercy is consistent over and over again in this passage. So, so really, you're looking at um, God giving Ezekiel this message that, you know, th- these Israelites were responsible for their sin. They were responsible for their decisions and judgment was coming. Um, so he was going to purge them away, but but ultimately he was also in the midst of that going to win back those faithful who were um, willing to repent, you know, who were going to follow the one true God, um, and that was because he wanted them to know that he was that he was God, that he was a God of His word, that he was a God of love and a God of mercy, um, and even though they had continued to rebel, he was giving them an opportunity once again to draw closer to him. So as we, as we read, there's quite a bit of a passage. I don't think we're going to get through it all today, um, but I really just want to walk through some key points as we, as we study Ezekiel chapter 20 and really diving in to, to verse number one, it says in the seventh year, in the fifth month of the 10th day of the month, certain elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and set before me. And the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, Speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord, It is to inquire of me that you come. 
As I live, declares the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. All right, so they are coming to ask questions, right? To consult, to get to gain wisdom and discernment. But but he's saying, you think that you're going to come before me with your your sinful hearts? You know, he says, as I live, declares declares the Lord God, I will not be inquired by you. He says in verse four, he says, will you judge them, son of man, or will you uh, will you judge them? Son of man, will you judge them? Let them know the abominations of their father and say to them, thus says the Lord God, on the day when I chose Israel, I swore to the offspring of the house of Jacob, making myself known to them in the land of Egypt. I swore to them saying, I am the Lord God. And on that day, I swore to them that I would bring them out of the land of Egypt into the land that I had searched out for them. It was a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of lands. And I said to them, cast away the detestable things of your eyes that they feast on, every one of you. And do not defile yourselves with idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God, but they rebelled against me and were not willing to listen to me. None of them cast away detestable things of their eyes, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. So in these first eight verses, you're seeing the Lord make these make these promises. And he's saying, I promised, I swore to the offspring of the house of Jacob, saying, this is what I told them, that I would bring them out of this of this land, of out of this bondage, and I would deliver them into a, a land of a of abundance. Um, and he told them to, to walk away from sin. He told them to um, repent. But he says in verse 8, they didn't do it. They rebelled against me, and they weren't willing to listen. You know, and I put myself in that situation. You put yourself in that situation. How often are we warned? How often do we know what we are doing, but we choose to live in that sin over and over again? You know, in, in this passage, he's saying, you know, you, you we will um, pay for that. We will, um, that will not go unpunished, right? But the Lord is merciful, um, and the Lord is going to give the children of Israel another chance. Um, but those sins and those, what what is profaned acts, will be um, will be accounted for. So God is saying, you know, I'm a, I'm a holy God. Um, but I am a God of my word, and what I swore to your forefathers, I will do. So in verse number 10, he says, So I led them out of the land of Egypt, and I brought them into the wilderness. I gave them statutes and made known to them my rules by which, if a person does them, he shall live. Moreover, I gave them the Sabbath as a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes, but they rejected my rules by which if a person does them, he shall live. And my Sabbath they greatly profaned. And I was I was really challenged even reading verses 10 through 13 of, of how am I keeping the Sabbath holy? How am I leading my family, especially in the state of, of, of COVID and, and how we're facing this across our nation? Worship looks a lot different. You know, it's 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 normally easy to um you know, get ready in the mornings, take your family to church, you know, go through the small group, Sunday school, go to worship um, and devote that time to the Lord. But during this season of COVID and, and kind of doing home church and, you know, and streaming in online, you know, how how are we um, maintaining 
the Sabbath as a special day, you know, as a, as a day that the Lord has instructed us to give back to him so that we may worship him throughout the day. You know, I, some of the some of the notes and things that I was was whatever I, what I was studying as I was looking through Ezekiel chapter 20. Um, some of the points that that I just think I want to remind us all about were God wants us to refocus on him during the Sabbath. So it's a time of of pause. It's a time of stillness. Um, you guys know how busy you are through the week. Uh, you know, there you're working. Um, I'm sure you're you have extracurricular activities. You know, there's just life in general is just busy. So it's a time for us to refocus. It's also a time for us to intentionally worship the Lord, to 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 pause, to pray, um, and to worship Him for what He's done. Just to think through the week and how He has sustained us for another week. And I think that's something we take for granted. I think the next thing is rest. How often do we just rest? You know, my wife and I talk about this often. It's just, it's hard for us to rest. And sometimes we feel guilty for resting just because there's so much on the docket. There's so much that we feel that we have to get done. You know, you're thinking ahead for the for the week. We know that Monday, you know, soon um, school will start. Well, some form of school will start, let's say that. Um, but what does that look like as we prepare for, prepare, prepare for school? And and Sundays are often at our house are just left for, you know, thinking ahead. What what's what does this look like for tomorrow? Do we have all the, the groceries that we need, um, you know, to to meal plan? Do we have what we need for lunches for the kids? Um, are you ready for tomorrow night because we have this practice and have to go to this event? Um, so instead of just using that day to truly rest, um, I think we often get wrapped up in the things that are before us. Um, and another thing the Sabbath is created to do is, is to enjoy community with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and again, what a challenge right now in the world that we live in um, and, and the the boundaries that we have when it comes um, to gathering together with your brothers and sisters. You know, I just, you know, I can't help but think of our, our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who have been secretly worshiping the Lord for years. Um, those brothers and sisters who are in an underground church or who are facing true persecution for worshiping, um, and how they do this. And I think we can learn from that, right? We are, we're not in a state of persecution, but we are in a state that we are prohibited to gather together and worship. So how do we find that sense of community with our brothers and sisters in Christ? And I think that's so key for us to find encouragement um, from them and then also to give encouragement to them during during the Sabbath. So just um, want to, you know, I, as, I, as I was convicted of this, I want to challenge um, our team as well to how are we keeping the Sabbath holy and, and and looking back at passages like this of what the Lord has instructed us to do um, and taking advantage of that. It is a gift. It shouldn't be, it should not be a, an obligation or it shouldn't be something else that we feel we have to do. The Sabbath is a gift from the Lord to stop and to pause and, and to celebrate what he has done um, and express our, our thankfulness and worship to our Father. So he continues on and he says in verse 14, he says, But I acted out of the sake of my own name, that it should not be profaned. The Sabbath should not be profaned in the sight of the nation in whose sight I had brought them. He says, Again, moreover, I swore to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land that I had given them, a land flowing of milk and honey, the most glorious 
of all the lands because they had rejected my rules and they didn't walk in my statutes and they profaned the Sabbath for their heart went out after these idols. Nevertheless, my eye spared them. Look at his mercy. And I did not destroy them or make a full end of them in the wilderness. Guys, the Lord's mercy is abounding. We see it over and over and over again. Um, and we just continue to take it for granted. The Lord is um, a faithful God, and the Lord is a merciful God. But that doesn't mean that our that we don't have consequences for our disobedience. And you know, and I think we can look back at the very beginning of Israel's history here, and and how God clearly warned them about the consequences for their disobedience. You can look back. We don't have time to do it today, but in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight. Um, really, the majority of that chapter is just talking about the consequences of disobedience. And it's a forewarning of our father to say, be careful. You know, don't do not do these things. And if you do these things, this is what's going to happen. And this is how you will be punished for these actions. So I think it's important for us to look like this is, again, the Lord forewarning this over and over again throughout the Old Testament of what, um, what happens because of the consequences of sin. So the Lord is merciful but there are also punishment and judgment um, for those that disobey and those that walk walk in sin. Um, so as we as we kind of look through um, this passage toward toward the end, I want to, for sake of time, skip down and and look down at verse thirty three, and and it says, "As I live, declares the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and with wrath poured out, I will be king over you." I will bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you are scattered. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, I with wrath poured I will I with wrath poured out, and I will bring you into the wilderness of the peoples, and there I will enter into judgment with you face to face. So here we go. This is talking about you will be you will be judged and there will be consequences. He says, As I entered into the judgment with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt. So I will enter into judgment with you, declares the Lord God. I will make you pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. I will purge out the rebels among you and those who transgress against me. I will bring them out of the land where they sojourn, but they shall not enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am Lord. Numbers, you know, back in the Old Testament, again, Numbers 14 really just focuses in on um, the disobedience, you know, and, and how these Israelites refused to enter the the promised land and, and ultimately the wandering in the wilderness for, you know, the 40 years. But we're looking here at kind of the new exodus, you know, and only that the faithful few would would um, would enter in. You know, and, and the purpose of this wilderness judgment would be to purge those people out um, who worship those idols. And God would would restore the purity um, to Israel for those who were you know, worshiping him and him alone. So these Israelites were were living, you know, they were living as free as they wanted. They were worshiping idols. Um, but then the other half was giving a gift to God at the same time. You know, and I, and I think that's where. That's where we are, is that we want to walk this fine line of giving God um, what we want to give God, but giving idols what we want to give our idols and and not finding complete devotion uh, to the Lord. It's like we, you know, we want to, we don't want to miss out on the benefits 
of, of what we feel we can gain from self-service or from, you know, financial security or a financial investment or whatever that looks like for us. We want those, but then we also, you know, we said, want to say that we're, we are believers and we're following God. You know, we find these little tokens like church attendance or financial donations or volunteer service, whatever that may be. But yet we still hold on to our love and our idols of money and power and pleasure and these aspects. So, so the Lord is saying, I want you, I want all of you. Um, and I want, um, I want your complete devotion, you know, and as, as we look at, at chapter 20, this is what the, this is what he's saying over and over is it's, it's, I want all of you. I want your complete devotion and I want your complete surrender. And those of you who aren't willing to do that, I will purge out and you will be punished for, for those sins. But his desire is to find that pureness of heart and that devotion. You know, Matthew, I just want to read one last verse in the New Testament, Matthew 26, 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, we we cannot choose two things. The Lord has asked us for our for our complete devotion to Him, and and that is um, that should be our utmost desire is to to look um, look at what the Lord has done in our lives and what He's done for us, and ultimately the. The, the price he paid for us upon the cross and remember that um, that without him we have no forgiveness of sin without him we would eternally be doomed for hell but because of what he did for us um, we have hope and we have a future in Christ Jesus so let us reflect on that and remember of what the Lord desires from us as we serve another week all right today um, as we wrap out our time. Um, we are going to be praying for uh, the country of Pakistan. Um, so Pakistan is one of our partnerships that we work in um, through our unadopted ministry. Um, and we are seeing the Lord do a lot of great things in Pakistan. Um, and we just want to we want to spend some time just praying for that country in general. I'm just praying that, that God will continue to strengthen those believers there. Um, we also want to pray for, you know, just the leadership of some of the partners in that country. I know the Lord has really put this on the heart of some of our um, stateside partners who have a, um, a deep desire uh, to serve the people of Pakistan. So we just pray for them. And then also just some of those, um, some of the girls that are in the communities there um, that we serve, um, that, that they will be strengthened, that they will come to know the Lord um, through these ministries and through the schooling that is taking place there. So Let's uh, let's close out our time together, praying specifically for the country of Pakistan. Father, we are grateful for your word. We're thankful for um, for Ezekiel chapter twenty, just as a reminder of Lord how merciful you are, God how how you love us so much, um, Lord, just to to draw us closer to you. And though we don't deserve it, you give us chance after chance. So, God, we. We come to you with a repentant heart today just to say, um, God, forgive us. Forgive us of those times where we selfishly serve those idols, where we, where we give our devotion to those things that we feel will give us pleasure, um, but ultimately overlook who you are and, Lord, what you've called us to do. God, we pray um, for our partners around the world and, and Lord, even 
specifically today for the country of Pakistan. God, we pray that you continue to strengthen those believers there. Um, Lord, just strengthen their faith in the midst of persecution. Um, God, I pray for the unrest that's in that country. And God, I pray that um, those, those believers find hope in who you are. God, may they not neglect sharing your name um, with those in their communities. God, we pray for um, relationships to be deepened um, in the midst of unrest and terrorist attacks in that country, God. We just, we just pray um, for, the, for the government. God, we pray for, um, for the people that are in that country um, intentionally trying to share your name. God, we pray for um, just our partners and for the, um, the directors of, of some of these opportunities we have uh, to minister in this country. God, we pray for um, pastors' networks that are that are striving together, bonding together to be able to take the gospel to that nation. And Lord, we just we pray for new opportunities and new um, new homes uh, to open to be able to serve some of these most vulnerable around this country. God, we also um, want to pray for um, Lord, just the Muslim community that surrounds all of these partnerships. God, we pray that they'll see the light and the truth of Christ through these girls. God, may these children be impacted by your your glory and your gospel. And Lord, may that be a sign to the Muslim community around them of who you are and why you are so good. So God, we just pray for strength and courage for these these girls and for for their education. Um, Lord, we know that um, they experience persecution. God, that they see persecution. So Lord, we just pray that um, you keep them strong and you keep them faithful in who you are and what you have called them to do. So God, we are, um, Lord, we're just grateful for what you're doing around around the world and what you're doing in the country of Pakistan. And Lord, we are privileged and honored to be able to call you our faithful Father. And these things we ask in your name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.